Welcome to Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rabinowitz, an interior design trained lifestyle and wellness creator and mom to three girls. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. So stick around. It's wild and it's raw, just the way we like it. For any of my followers who may not know, who you are, please introduce yourself for the audience. Oh, well, hello, everybody. I'm Chloe Wild. Super excited to be here and to join your community. I'm a TV host by day, a podcaster and a health coach by night, and just an obsessed individual of all things cozy and comfy in life. (laughs) Yes, well, you have a lot of incredible facets to your career and your interests. I want to kick off tonight's conversation kind of understanding how did you get into the talk show hosting industry? Was that an aspiration you've always had? Bring us back to the beginning because we want to know all of it. I know. I think people are always really curious and it's a fun story for me to tell because I get to relive it because it was 10 years ago now that my life completely took a turn. A lot of people that I work with in the media industry, this is what they have like longed for since they were kids. I was on a completely different path ever since I was a kid. I was obsessed with those like little science kits you can get kids for their their presents for their birthdays, you know, like growing crystals and having test tubes. I was that kid. I was the kid that would carry around like tadpoles in a bucket because I was fascinated with how they grew and evolved into frogs. I was not the cool kid. Like I was the weird kid and I'm totally cool with that now. I wear that like a badge of honor. So my path was definitely, I was obsessed with science. I loved physiology and anatomy. It was what I excelled at in high school. And I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to become a doctor. Like, I think I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something really awesome with my life. Maybe join Doctors Without Borders and I'm going to save some lives. Like, I, I think I have it in me. I love science, love helping people, love connecting with people, love hearing, you know, what their story is. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so I did what you do. If you want to go to med school, I focused on sciences. I went to McGill University in Montreal, and I did a BSc in psychology and neuroscience. I wrote my MCATs. I was ready to go, and I was actually fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to Stanford to see kind of what the med school life was like. And there I was standing over this man's heart during open heart surgery. It was the most wild experience of my life. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know if this feels right. Like, I don't know But like, I just had this light bulb moment where I was like, this is fascinating to me and I'm so lucky to be here, but I actually don't know if this is what I want to do with my life. Meanwhile, like, I don't know anything else. So what do I do instead of like graduating from one degree? Probably should have taken some time off. I went right into a second degree in nursing because again, I was like, all I know is health sciences and I love medicine and I love people. So maybe I need to become a nurse practitioner and open up my own clinic. And that way I have a lot of interaction with my, with my clients and my patients. And there I was in nursing. And of course, lo and behold, halfway through that degree, I absolutely burnt out because at that point I was working multiple jobs to pay my way through school, pay rent, pay my groceries, pay my textbooks. And I was, you know, a type A individual. So I really wanted to excel in school and I had an active social life. So I was burning the candle at all the felt like there was more than two students at that point. And I was ignoring all the signs of burnout because at that point I didn't have the language, I didn't have the awareness to really know what my body was like screaming at me. And so I ended up just absolutely plummeting and crashing and having a debilitating burnout. 
this was 10 years ago. Conversations about mental health have come such a long way, but yeah. I'm really lucky that there were a lot of people at McGill that were supportive and saw what I was going through. And they facilitated a one-year sabbatical for myself to focus on my mental health, to focus on my physical health. So that way I could come back, finish my nursing degree, you know, but feeling strong, feeling healthy. So now that brings us to my sabbatical where I'm I know just supposed to, I'm just supposed to like figure out how to feel better. All my friends are in nursing school or are doctors and I'm there in my super crappy Montreal apartment that I think I was paying like $500 cash for. And I'm sitting there feeling so sorry for myself and confused about why I'm feeling sad and confused. And so what do I do? They're crying, having a moment of pity and I flip the channel to whatever channel is on. I'm just haphazardly like flipping through the channels. And lo and behold, I land on much music and I hear the words that will forever change my life. And I believe it was Scotty Willits and Lauren Toyota who were the hosts at the time during this commercial. And they said, do you wanna be the next much music VJ? And I thought to myself, why not? I don't know what I'm supposed to do anyways. Like clearly my plan's not working out. And so rather than taking care of myself, there was this random opportunity that life threw my way and was like, hey, you know what? Why don't you take a break from what you're doing and try something completely different? Mm -hmm. And I felt so lost and so confused about what I was going through that I was grasping at anything and everything to feel different than what I was feeling in, in that moment. And that was kind of how it all started. I put all of my academic fervor that I was putting into my like science career and academia career. And I put it into the world that is much music. Being a Canadian, you can't not know what much music is, but I took it to a whole other level. I would watch it, take notes, study the DJs, <laughs> learn the history. I was already so obsessed with music at the time. Mm -hmm. So that was very organic, but I wanted to learn the ins and outs of what it took to be a host from what I could see from the outside in. And so I auditioned for the VJ search somehow got picked. I was one of the eldest like VJ hopefuls. We got the chance to travel across the country, which was really exciting for me. Like I, I yeah. had very humble beginnings, like being flown on a plane to Vancouver at that time was very surreal and very luxurious and unknown to me. And that's what I did. I went to Giant Tiger and I bought all their discount dresses and I filled a suitcase and off we went to Vancouver and filmed this reality show over the course of six weeks across the country. And it ultimately changed my life in the most beautiful, beautiful way and the most unexpected way. And it was just such a reminder. Like every time I say it, it like I get covered in goosebumps because it's one of those things where you can plan a plan a plan in life. Like I had a plan. I had a plan for security and stability and, you know, financial stability as well was very important. And so, but then life kind of happened. Then it's just a beautiful reminder that like, if you're lucky yeah. enough to sit back, settle down the noise, you might be able to hear and see and witness and experience something new that will ultimately change you to your core. And that's what happened to me. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that one of my darkest times led me to this kind of beautiful adventure that I call life. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy because I've been following your career without understanding like the gravity of your backstory. And I think what I find so amazing is one of the things that you and I have spoken about is how there is so much diversity and creativity, but what you're adding is another layer, which is like resilience. 
experience, desire to like work hard and just like be a good person means that there can be versatility in whatever side of the brain. You went from science to entertainment. Most people are not diversifying their strengths in that way. My question to you is, what do you think it was about you that you were able to kind of take these two like objectively antithetical strengths and kind of synthesize them into one career story or one human? To be honest, to this day, I still don't know what they saw because I was a hot mess going through so much behind the scenes. Like I was a broken little bird back then, flailing about, just trying to like soak up whatever I could from the people around me. Like I really, I was surrounded by amazing individuals on this reality show that studied broadcast journalism, that had done, you know, projects in their communities. And I, I don't know if the unknown that I brought to the game was a factor. I just know that someone on that team saw something in me that I couldn't see yet at that time and they gave me a chance and I was like right place right time a whole lot of hard work and like leading with love and kindness and yeah like I wish I could sit here and be like yeah I know exactly what they saw but like I don't know because like I have come such a long way as as a television host and as an interviewer like we all go through such journeys but I'm sure I was not very good at the beginning like you know mm. I was fresh out of the womb as far as like mm. television skills went but I think I got lucky in the sense that the VJ search was the most epic boot camp ever because every challenge was a challenge to learn a skill and then be able yeah. to play it talking live on camera and having the prompter go dark and needing to go rogue talking to time while sledding down a hill interviewing people and yet the facts you were given were incorrect and seeing how you would kind of dance on your feet mm -hmm. and I think I think because I was in such a place of confusion in my life I was kind yeah. of like this like, fuck right. it. Like, I'm just going to say yes to this and do my very best and have no expectations. I never, ever thought I was going to make it to the end. I never, mm. ever thought I would win. So I was just trying to make the most of every second and soaking it up for all it was worth. Well, I think that you have, like, I'm saying, I'm sure, I hope you know this about yourself, like a natural warmth and charisma and kindness, which, you know, in any element, if, if you turned out to be like a florist, that would come through. <laughs> And, and you're also so curious, right? And curiosity is the most valuable skill as an interviewer. So like, I also think, you know, you know, I like to use fitness as like a metaphor, but when you try a new fitness class, I personally find sometimes that's my best performance because I have no idea what to expect. They're telling me sprint. I'm hitting the max, not knowing, you know, how many sprints are there? What my, does my body need to do after this round? It's sometimes the second round that you approach with a little bit more trepidation and a desire to meet the task at the level you did the first time. So that beginner's mindset is sometimes an advantage. Yes. Oh, yeah. And like when you're at a beginner's mindset and you're kind of feeling like your back is up against the wall with life, your ego has no place yeah. in the equation either really good like point. you know what I mean yeah. like you just you there's no like it was like survive I was in survival mode yeah. so my ego was not in the question and I think that was beneficial as well that's a really good point one thing that you talked about was burnout which I'm on the precipice of for sure so I'm curious <laughs> you're like buckle up baby okay so I'm curious Number one, what are signs of impending burnout that you've experienced and what habits have you integrated or boundaries have you integrated into your life to avoid it from approaching? 
Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, like every single person is a unique snowflake. So what are signs for me might not be signs at all for you. So I am not a doctor. Didn't actually go to med school in the end. So that like, you got to take everything I say with a grain of salt. And it comes from like my personal lived experience. But back then, what I didn't realize was that my burnout symptoms were coming through like through physical symptoms. So like I wasn't sleeping. I had zero appetite. At that point, I was really into exercise, but I was doing it in the wrong way. And so my body was actually trying to cope with this impending burnout in the ways it knew how. And that was not sleeping and sacrificing sleep and instead studying. It was going to the gym and excessively doing cardio. It was doing all the things that my body had in its arsenal. And yet it wasn't working in the most beneficial way. So for me, it was lack of nutrition. So I like my weight had dropped drastically. My emotions were absolutely all over the place. I'm an emotional person to begin with. And I wear that with a badge of honor. I think it's a beautiful thing to be a highly sensitive, empathetic person. But back then, like I didn't have... I didn't have that appreciation for it. And so my emotions would leak all over the place. Like it was just, it was a little bit erratic and I just wasn't myself. I wasn't able to fully show up as myself and my priorities all of a sudden started to go all over the place. Mm, yeah. Wow. Then like I have come leaps and bounds. My coping mechanisms have been updated. And I think to everyone listening, if your coping mechanisms are like, sit on the couch and eat a pint of ice cream like that's cool like that's amazing but maybe we can add like a couple more to your toolbox and so maybe eating a pint of ice cream on the couch is not the go-to coping mechanism it's just like the one that you have now and then so my toolbox has really expanded a lot since then and now I really recognize so nutrition is like the number one thing for me if I start to skip meals have food aversions can go all day without eating, start to look at food as like this thing that is not my friend. To me, that is like the number one sign that like, okay, Chloe, I think we're going to scale back. Stress is starting to creep up, but it's not showing up maybe in the typical ways. It's showing up in the way that like you view food. And my, as you know, and we can go into it, I've had such a long relationship with food that like to me now I'm so incredibly aware of how I fuel my body and how I view fueling my body, that that is like the number one sign for a burnout. So anything that is atypical from what you're talking priorities are in your life if sleep is important to you gratitude is important to you moving your body is important to you if spending time with your community is important to you if prayer is important to you whatever the things you prioritize when those things start to fall by the wayside and they do so on a very regular basis that's i really think is like those are starting to be early red flags of like okay things are starting to happen the things that are really important to us the things that make us feel alive inside and like full if those things start to fall by the wayside that's when we have to take a step back check in and ask ourselves what's going on why are those things not happening on the frequency at which we would like like what is taking priority instead and sometimes that thing that's taking priority instead is impending burnout yes and I find that again like to your point of us all being so different I find myself a lot of the habits and the rituals that usually bring me joy or anchor me start to irritate me Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like a workout, which usually is like, you know, the bubble bath of my brain or like the, the movement through the meditation through movement, it starts irritating me. I'm like, and so that's my check in. That's when I know that, that it's kind of not doing what it should. Let's pivot a little bit back to a day in the life of a talk show host. 
obviously to all of us viewers, we are seeing probably like in a full alphabet, the X, Y, Z of the production. And of course it all looks so glamorous, but I think we're all too wise to assume that the glamour is all that we're seeing. So tell us a little bit about a day in the life or the process or the behind the scenes of being a talk show host. Yeah, I mean, first of all, for anyone who has seen eTalk on television or back in the day, much music, like what you see on camera is such a, it's like looking at an iceberg. You guys get to see like the very tip, shiny tip of the iceberg, but there's such a big team behind the show that makes it possible. It is amazing to me the amount of people that can come together creatively to create a daily show that airs across the country, you know, Monday to Friday. It is truly a collaborative effort. It takes a big team to make a show like that go around. And it's pretty phenomenal to be a part of that team. So I think one of the things I love most about working on eTalk is that every day is a different adventure. Like we may have, you know, our traditional structure, like 8.30 a.m. we get to the office, we prep for the morning meeting, nine o'clock we all get together as a team around a table. We pitch the stories we all think are amazing and we want to see on the show and then we kind of go around and debate like what should go on the show it is really truly so collaborative from the morning and then after the meeting the producers go and they start getting their stories ready we start to get processed and get camera ready so we work with an amazing team of makeup artists uh shabby's my girl she does this every day this is not what i look like in the morning and we work with our incredible stylist and we get the visuals ready. And a lot of the times, even though on paper that might seem incredibly vain and superficial, it's almost like our armor. Like when we feel our best and for some people, you know, that's a heavier face makeup or a more glamorous sequin dress. But whatever that is for you, even for you, friends, like listening, when you go out into your day, you put on your armor. Maybe it's a tinted moisturizer. Maybe it's just lip gloss. Like whatever it is, we put it on and then we go out and we take on the world. We don't need it to take over the world, but it definitely helps make us a little bit more confident and a little more like mm, this little pizzazz so that's the way i view like wardrobe and makeup and hair and television it is truly my armor so i can step into the best chloe wilde there is and then when i'm it's go time for filming i'm ready to go because i'm feeling confident i'm feeling empowered and i think there's a lot of power in fashion and in makeup that can do that that can elevate what's already inside so once we're ready to go then it's kind of the cat's pajamas i mean today i had multiple interviews uh, in the mix of, you know, doing voiceovers and meetings for future shoots. And then we shoot the show as well. The show happens every single day. That is always a constant. And then once the show is done, it's time to get ready for the next day. So we start to look ahead at what the following interviews are. How do we prep? Do we need meetings? Are there screenings? Is there travel coming up to interview certain actors? It's always constantly like getting ready for the daily show and then also just stepping back and having a bird's eye view of what like the bigger picture is for our production. I mean, sheesh, that is a packed schedule. That is amazing. It's so cool to hear how you, like, you know how you said I light up when I talk about prayer? Like, you light up when you're talking about it. You love your job after all this time. How do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it exciting? Oh. Well, I mean, I think that the assignments we go on, I think it, it keeps it exciting and it keeps it fresh because of the people that we're lucky enough to hold space for. You know, sometimes you don't always vibe with a person. Sometimes you screen a show or a movie and maybe it's not your favorite, but you still have to find a way to relate. But sometimes you have the opportunity to link up with people and you're like, whoa, that conversation fueled me so much. Like, I can't believe I get to do this as a job. But I also think I light up because of our team. Like it makes such a difference when you love the people you work with.
and they have your back and you have their back and it feels like a really creative collaborative process. It blows my mind that I've been doing this for 10 years. It feels like it's, it's been both a lifetime. Like I can't imagine my life before this. Mm. And it also feels like it's just gone by in a flash. And I really think it's because every day is a bit of a different adventure. Like you can't get bored because you just, who knows who you're going to interview? Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's just, you kind of got to be ready to say yes. I think that's the thing. Yeah. This you got to be willing to be flexible and you got to be willing to say yes, because who knows what's happening this week, next week or next year. Unreal. So what, what are some memorable moments or interviews that you've had? Well, I mean, on like a really personal note, like when Healthy is Hot, my little passion project on the side was turned into a, a Crave series. Mm-hmm. And I got to be both host and a supportive producer alongside our incredible producer, Sasha Tong. That was such a surreal moment for me because it was my world absolutely blending into like the most beautiful baby ever. Like I was getting to do television and talk about my passion of health and wellness into a series and then like see if people responded. Like that was truly, truly such a special moment that I will hold forever near and dear. And then I also really love animated movies. Like Shrek is one of my all time faves. So when I got to interview Eddie Murphy recently and I, you know, we asked a certain amount of questions about the project he's working on. And then if possible, I always like to squeeze in a little extra question that's not related to the project. And so I asked him and I was like, Eddie, like, when are we going to get a donkey movie? Like, we've had so many Shrek movies, but like, I want a standalone donkey movie. And his answer was so great. The interview ends. I tell the team debrief. and I'm like, okay, cool. It was awesome. Eddie's amazing. And then the next day we go back to work and the digital team had put it on our TikTok. It went viral. Like every publication had picked it up. Like it was on like Variety and Daily Mail and Page Six, and it was everywhere. We were just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is so random, and <laughs> and it was just like it was the most random soundbite ever. But it was a really cool moment because not that my name was mentioned or anything, but like the team was mentioned on like an international scale, and we work really hard every single day to like get amazing moments with people. And it's cool when it like spreads beyond our team. It's cool when it spreads yeah. beyond Canada. Cause we're just like, yeah, we're over here guys. Hello. Yeah. We're <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and the, I mean, the talent is overflowing. It's, isn't it funny how like the content that you assume will go viral doesn't. And then just a little sound bite that clearly related and resonated with everybody just blew up. Because people love donkey. Like, that's yeah, it. Like, exactly. Shrek is amazing. We love Shrek as well, but we need more donkey. I think what TikTok has taught me is that I have not had one original experience in my entire life. Because everybody's experiencing the same thing. Yeah. So let's talk about advice you might have for somebody wanting to get into the industry. Obviously, your entire story is completely, like, serendipitous and just unexpected. But To those people who have aspirations to be in show business, what are some tips and tricks of things to do or avoid? Yeah, I think that's a great question. First of all, tough industry to get into. I just want to like start off by saying that if you're wanting to get into like linear television, because linear television is this unique little space where there's only 24 hours in a news cycle. Mm. And it is quite challenging to get on one of those. Not to say it's impossible, but what I will say is we're also, even though linear television is very hard to get into now, we're also living in this like incredibly beautiful time where 
digital is taken over in the most incredible way, in the most empowered way. So if you're someone who wants to get into this industry, I say, why wait for someone to give you a job? You got to start showing the world what you can do right now. Everyone has a phone. We're all on these social media platforms. So if this is something you're passionate about, start creating in your own life. If interviewing people is something that lights you up inside, do what Rivki's doing and create an IG Live series that you turn into a podcast. Practice those skills, hone those skills. Also show the world what you can do. You never know who's gonna see your content. Also, you'll be able to learn from experiencing the things you're passionate about by looking back and studying them. Not to mention that when you're creating your own content, you can use that as demo reels and package it up and, and send it to people in the industry. Just letting them know like, hey, my name's Chloe. I'm super interested and passionate about this space. I've actually got this, this side hustle that I'm working on. I think you guys might be interested just to show you what I can do. I think in today's world, there's so many amazing creatives out there that you've got to find a way to stand out and be you. And so if you can start creating and figuring out what that is, it's going to make it so much easier when an opportunity does come for you to stand out because you won't only be, there's going to be so many passionate people, but if you can show up, be passionate, good at what you do, and also have a couple examples, people are going to remember mm -hmm. you. Also, like one of the biggest mistakes I made early on is I think because I was going through such a hard time in my personal and in my, with my health, I was a little bit confused about like who I was, like mm -hmm. who is Chloe Wilde? You know, like Chloe Wilde is a stage name. And I was like, who is this girl? Like, who am I? And I, I didn't know. And so I did what I do best. And I studied, I studied the amazing other Canadian personalities that came before me or that were on television at the time. And I started to try to like bring in their essence into mine because I didn't know what mine was. And that was a huge, huge mistake because they are them for a reason. Yeah. They mm -hmm. have their secret sauce and they have they have that it factor that makes them so them. I don't have their it factor. I don't know what their secret sauce is mm -hmm. and I shouldn't. I gotta figure out what mine is and I gotta own it and I gotta be willing to make some mistakes along the way and figure out who I am and what I wanna represent in this industry. And so I think while we can admire other people in our industry and we can look up to them and we can celebrate them you got to remember that like you are you and like what you bring to the table if you're willing and brave enough and courageous enough to show it with the world unbelievable things can happen but those things can't happen if you're pretending to be somebody else oh oh my gosh it's such good advice i mean what i love about your advice is that it really is applicable to any industry and even to like interpersonal relationships. My own evolution on this app was that I originally started off as just, you know, marketing myself as mainstream, a mainstream influencer. And then a few years ago, I really leaned into the fact that, yes, I'm mainstream in the lifestyle wellness space. I have a lot of friends in the industry and I can work on all of the same campaigns as them. But really what sets me apart is how I live my daily life, which is I'm an Orthodox Jewish woman. Yeah. And you really don't see a lot of Orthodox Jewish women, you know, working on the same campaigns that a mainstream influencer is working on. And so instead mm -hmm. of not leading with that, I really lead with that. And ultimately, my goal is to really show the world that you can stick to traditional values while still having like a really expansive ambitious way of approaching your career and your relationships and and you know all of those kinds of things so like what what we what we worry limits us as soon as we own it it ends up expanding us 100 percent. like the thing that kids made fun of you when you were a kid 
Like that's actually your secret superpower yeah. because it's the thing that makes you so different. It actually like freaks people out when you were younger, you know, like sometimes yeah. it's the things that we, we like hide from the world that actually make us really special and really mm-hmm. powerful. And if maybe it comes with age, I'm 34 now, but I've like come to learn to love the, the little quirky eccentricities that I have. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? This is me. And like, yeah. I'm okay with me. So hopefully you'll be okay with me. Exactly. And- And I think the more okay we are with ourselves, the more people are drawn to us. It's, you're making me think of a story. I remember I was going out on a date and my father said to me, you know, obviously if you're, if you have a podcast, then you're comfortable leading conversations. So this was not something that I developed out of the blue. Surprise. Uh, You're born this way. Right. So my father said to me, Rifki, like, I just want to remind you, like, it's not your job to fill the silences. Like, you need to see if, um, like, he can carry it on his own. And I think at the time, it made me feel so insecure. I was like, shoot, like, you know, do I fill silences instead of meaningful conversation? And now looking back, I'm like, there is potential to do that, but you need to create space for the conversation to unfold organically. So in saying that, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the other part of you that is such a big part of you, which is your diversification into health and life coaching and the launch of Healthy is Hot. Yeah, so it's interesting. So the story I told you about how I actually got into television is simultaneously like when Healthy is Hot was born in my personal life. Because when my career launched in media, my health was just plummeting, like, and my mental health as well. But at the time, I didn't realize. And like I was saying earlier, we were road tripping across the country, right? So when we road trip, one of our stops was in Ottawa, and that happens to be where my mom lives. And I'll never forget, I got off the bus feeling like excited to see my family. I hadn't seen them in so long. And I got off the bus, and there she was holding a massive Chloe for VJ sign. The dog was wearing a Chloe for VJ shirt. It was like a really exciting moment, you know? And I got off the, the bus, and immediately her face went from like this to like, like she saw that I was not okay. She didn't, we didn't live in the same city. I was in Montreal and she was in Ottawa. So she didn't know all the struggles I was going through because I was keeping them quite private. And so when she saw me after the VJ search and my health had continued to plummet, she was just like, whoa, I don't know what's going on. She's like, whatever you decide to do, you go back to McGill, you decide to, to do this TV thing. You know, she was like, whatever it is, like, you've got to promise me you're going to take care of yourself. And for whatever reason that landed, like sometimes in life, parents tell you things and you're like, okay, mom, like, whatever, like, I'm good, I got this. But for that simple statement of like, you got to take care of yourself, it was almost like this bubble popped. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I am not taking care of myself. I actually don't know how to take care of myself because the things I've been doing, I don't think are working very well. And so that night I actually went to the gym at the hotel in Ottawa. This is way back in 2013. And I took a picture in front of the mirror on like a really crappy iPhone with like probably a heavy filter. And I felt the need to use the hashtag healthy is hot for the first time. And, you know, probably had like 45 Instagram followers at the time. Like it wasn't to like go massive and public with this. It was almost like a public declaration to myself, a public promise that no matter what I was going to strive to be healthy over anything. And That was how my journey with Healthy is Hot started. It was simultaneously while I was getting into television. Mm -hmm. I was really starting to figure out what health meant to me, what food meant to me, what movement meant to me, what mindset and, and 
like just all of these things that I hadn't really thought about in a really holistic way. It was like I was experiencing them for like the first time. And it took me many, 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 many years to try and figure out like what that all means and looks like in my day to day life. And so throughout the journey, I just started taking people along for the ride. And like so many, you know, creators in this space, you start off with a blog, you know, turns into Instagram. Oh, now, now it's turned into a podcast. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to turn into a show. And then the latest iteration is I've turned it into an app now as well. And it's really just a way for me to continue to be curious about health and wellness in a broader sense of the term, in a more holistic sense of the term, but to also, you know, hold space for people that are also on a journey of figuring out what health and wellness means to them. Mm. It's so incredible what you've done with it. And and I guess my my next question would be, what kept you consistent all these years? I mean, what are some of the wellness rituals that you just really can't live without? Yeah, yeah. the consistency was definitely not part of my game for a long time. It took me like many years of like going like this before it eventually simmered down. And I think that's kind of part of the journey, right? Like whenever you're on any type of new personal development path or a new career or you're in a new relationship, there's like amazing highs and there's some challenging lows and you're kind of on this roller coaster ride for a little while until you find your groove. And it took me a long time to find that groove. And like, that's okay. So if you're in the groove, just know that like keep sticking it out, keep being curious, keep checking in with yourself. Like eventually it'll level out and eventually you'll probably have ups and downs again. But what for me, like the things that I've learned to really love is before the previous Chloe was really into working out, but I was into working out because I really wanted to burn calories. And now I love to move because I know how beneficial it is for my mental health and for my physical health. I love to work out because I love having a lot of energy. When I get home, if I want to run upstairs and see my fiance, I want to be able to bolt up those stairs and not want to die when I get to the top. If I've got friends that want to go for a hike, I want to be able to spend all day outside and know that I have the energy, know that I have the strength to carry me through to do all of the things. I move my body now because I want to be 85 and I want to be like the ladies I saw in Cape Town. We just got back from there who are out like running half marathons on the weekend. Like I move my body because it is the way for me to show love to myself. And that movement changes all the time. And I think this is something we like forget sometimes in the movement and in the fitness space is like if you lift weights and that's what you do you lift weights or if you're a (laughs) runner then you're a runner forever I am I get very bored very easily so I go through phases sometimes I'm super into weights like right now it is weights and Pilates that is my happy place and then when summer rolls around I love to sign up to different races and hold myself accountable and then I'm like stepping back into my runner mode in the winter when it's cold outside and I just want to feel cozy with myself hot yoga is like my happy place so movement is very very much a consistent part of my life but it's movement that brings me joy and it's movement that makes me feel empowered and it's also movement that pushes me i never want my movement to always feel easy i want to make sure that i'm holding myself accountable and pushing myself to see what i'm capable of Ten thousand steps non-negotiable i've got to get my steps in and i love to tag team that like habit stack walking with things so whether it's like a podcast or my favorite music or catching with my mom or like you name it having a meeting while walking I think walking is incredibly boring so I have to do something with a walk but like so much research shows that if we can aim for 10,000 steps a day like that is such a great way to not only guarantee some time outside in nature 
you know, away from technology. So we're not like staring at our screens constantly and just like moving our body in a really gentle, gentle way to, you know, offset some of the other things. Water is a new thing. I gotta be honest. I was a big coffee drinker for a long time. I've now switched to like half decaf, half regular in our drip machine. But water makes such a difference. And the more research I read on it, it actually has a huge impact like on our mental health and on our mood and on our emotional regulation. So I'm now like big into water and my sleep routine. I got to tell you, I was someone who would sacrifice sleep for all else. Back when I was like really into going out, who needs sleep when you can be out with friends? When I was studying, obviously had a lot of things to, to work about. When I like was finally in Toronto and had a million side hustles going on, I was like, I cannot sleep. Now... Do not mess with my sleep routine. Before this, I messaged you and I was like, listen, 9.30 p.m. is usually when I'm off technology. Like, do you think we can do that? And you're like, yes, of course. So sleep now is something I value so, so much. Like why we sleep by Matthew Walker, like was such a powerful book. And I think those are really like the cornerstone health things that I focus on, but there's a million more, but I could bore you. (laughs) No, um, are you kidding? I I could do a whole podcast on those things. You know, I, what what really stands out for me, I don't know if like it hit you guys in the same way, but when you describe like the like fluidity of your workout schedule, I feel like you picked this up about me already, but sometimes being so like, let's say goal oriented creates a little bit of like rigidity in my routine, because if I'm working on something, I cannot do a girlfriend date at Legree because I'm supposed to be doing my third glute day of the week, you know? So I like the way you're like, no, my why is to move my body so that I feel good. And that will mean different things. And I just like, it's, it's a good reminder for me as well. But one thing that you're very passionate about, which you didn't mention, and I really want to talk about this is cold exposure. No. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like I've I, I've had to like gently close the chapter on cold exposure for the season, but we have to talk about it because you love it. I love it. I'm inspired by you. I'm gonna do some cold showers. Cold exposure is honestly like it has truly, truly like changed <laughs> on a cellular level. Like mm-hmm. I, first of all, am someone who doesn't like to be wet. Like I'm not I'm not Mm -hmm. someone who likes to frolic in water. I'm Mm -hmm. not a big fan of being half naked. And I actually, I'm cold most of winter. So like being more cold is not something that like, you know, draws me in. So not your, not your typical kind of person who's like craving to jump into cold water. And yet it has become such an integral part of my, my life and like my Mm -hmm. go-to toolbox when my anxiety starts to get out of control, I'm feeling incredibly Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Kind of hit a low and it's it's lingering there like sometimes my mood hang out in like a sad place for too long and I need to shock it out of like that system and like cold is that for me I got into cold I think similar time to you it was the beginning of the pandemic guys and everyone on Instagram was baking sourdough like homemade yeast you name it or like everyone was tie-dyeing and I was like I gotta tell you, like, neither of those things are really calling my name. But, like, I needed to do something because my anxiety was unbelievable. Like, so many people, the uncertainty of the pandemic, the lockdown, we were in winter here in Toronto. Like, it was a really challenging time. But my anxiety went from, like, manageable to, like, completely debilitating. I can't leave my bed. So I was searching for something. The things in my toolbox were not working. And in addition to sourdough and tie-dye, I also was seeing a group of people going into Lake Ontario (laughs) while it was snowing. And I was like, 
now this is weird, but I'm intrigued. And so I started doing some research because the science nerd in me is still very alive and well. And I fell on this wicked Vice documentary. It's on YouTube. It's about Wim Hof. It's 40 minutes. Watch it. It'll change you. And I was like, oh, so this looks cool, but it's also like really good for you. Next thing I know, I like linked up with someone that I knew in the community because Toronto being Toronto, it's a very small, big city. And next thing I knew, I had signed up to this cold exposure, expecting for it to change my life and be this most beautiful experience ever. <laughs> it was not. I swore like a sailor the whole time because I was just shook to my core at how cold it was, but I still did it. I did it. I, I like, I ended up surpassing like that initial pain point where I wanted to chop off my feet with like a rusty mm. knife. Cause they were so confused by the cold. And I was able to get past that like fight or flight and experience like the bliss point that happens when you experience cold exposure and your body like really sinks in. And the feeling I felt after the cold exposure was like the first time in a long time where I truly felt alive and capable of taking mm. hard on. Yeah. At that point, I wasn't feeling very strong in my sense of self and my mental health was not very strong. I didn't feel capable. I didn't feel mm. capable of taking on hard things. I didn't feel capable of taking on a shower, mm. you know, let alone hard things. And then this one cold dip just gave me a moment of belief that all of a sudden, like, oh my God, if I can go near freezing water in March, in the winter, and I can live to tell the tale, I was like, oh, Maybe I can take this into my life. And it started small. And then the more I did it, the more empowered and stronger I felt. Mm -hmm. And then it just became part of my practice. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't relate more. I think that nothing shifts my energy state more than cold exposure. But for any of you guys who are listening, and this sounds completely un, you know, inaccessible, because like when you're speaking to somebody who like does this as a wellness practice, it's so clear. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And so I don't want you guys to like, you know, almost get confused. I think what we are both so attracted to, I'm, I'm removing the scientific benefits of this for a second. I'm talking about the feeling of empowerment that results after and the shift of anxiety state that happens after. And so what I want to say is you guys can figure out whatever it is for you that pushes you past the brink of your comfort, that reminds you that you can do hard things, that you can then plug and play into other areas of your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that feels objectively extreme or advanced. It can be anything. And I think the metaphor of what has us so lit up is that we did something we don't want to do. I hate getting wet. I hate being cold. And most people I speak to that have fallen in love with cold exposure are also people who have surprised themselves with it. You never see somebody who's like an open water swimmer, yeah. it, like, you know, like waxing poetic about cold exposure. It's us city girls who would like to be water adjacent on a vacation, you know, that really have reminded ourselves that like we are pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. So I feel like almost like that is such an important takeaway. And yeah. then of course the scientific benefits, like the slow release dopamine that's happening for you throughout the day is something that is like indisputably beneficial. So why not access more of those feel good neurochemicals? Yeah, I just feel like that's like really important because I think yeah. that's what keeps us going back to it every yeah. morning that's hard. I mean, the Marines have integrated cold exposure because it's one of the only 
shocking weather elements that no matter how many times you do it, your body still has to readapt as if new. And I think the fact that we can get into, into like such extreme conditions and still say mind over matter, my body is calm, you know, like we can go through other anxiety inducing experiences and talk ourselves through it. Hopefully. I I love what you said about like, for anyone who doesn't want to do cold, there's not, doesn't have it within their reach, their realm or their reach. You can challenge yourself in your daily life in so many ways. And I think we forget that we're capable of like being curious of seeing what happens when we, you know, embrace fear or like see what's on the other side of our comfort zones. Like, is it raising your hand in a business meeting? Is it signing Mm. up for that improv class? Is it asking out that individual on a date? Is it having a hard conversation with someone in your family? Like, what is something that kind of freaks you out, but you know you want to do on some level? Like, we are challenging you to say yes to that and seeing what happens. Like, it might go great, it might go disastrous, but no matter what, you're going to get through it. And then check in with yourself and be like, oh, if I can do that, like, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. And then you're on that's your homework yes 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 that just made me so happy (laughs) I love the way you attach like practical elements to it all of these wellness practices are really just metaphors to remind you either what you're capable of or to re-access the moment of stillness that you had during that meditation I've been meditating every single morning for like six years and let me tell you guys something not every meditation is my brain still. I sometimes have to feel like I've never done it again, which is why I have to call upon those moments of stillness that I've had in previous good meditations. We are never like in an advanced end of destination place of growth, of bettering ourselves. So in saying that, I would love to close out this conversation and hear three to five takeaways that you want, like, you know, listeners of this episode to walk away with. Oh, okay. I was thinking about this. I was telling you before, I usually go into interviews like blind. I don't want to know anything. But I was like, I'm just going to take a peek what she's going to ask me. And I was like, okay, God, I like looked at this. Um, There's so many. But I think like one of my, one of my favorites is like, friends, you've got to be the architect to your own life. In life, like we think that we have no control over how things happen and yes some things will happen to you in life and sometimes they're beautiful and sometimes they're really hard but we have to remember that we actually still have a lot of power we have a lot of choices that we can make every single day that are either going to line us in the direction of where we want to go or we're going to stay still or we might actually regress so the decisions that you make can those decisions start to align with the person that you want to be, with the goals you want you want to achieve? I challenge you to become the architect of your own life. Another way of saying that is don't be in the passenger seat of your life, okay? I want you to take the wheel. I want you to pop on an amazing playlist, and I want you to take the wheel of your life and decide where you're going to go, how you're going to get there. There's a million ways to get around in this life, but at some point, we got to take the wheel and remember that we actually have a lot of power, and that power deserves just like have a moment to shine especially if you want to do amazing things in this life Mm. um i want to look at my notes because i don't want to forget 
Oh, yes. Okay. So, I mean, you guys kind of already picked up on this just the way I, I am. Don't sleep on a goal. I think sometimes we're so good at having goals and we're having ideas of like things we want to do or the person we want to be or like I'm going to X, Y, and Z. And then we kind of give ourselves like a pat on the back for having the goal and then that's it. We walk away and we're like get busy in life again. If you have a goal, if you have something you want to do, and it can be small, it can be big, it can be scary, it can be like something familiar, take immediate action. Like when you set a goal, you need to take immediate action. Write it down on a piece of paper, tell a friend, put yourself a reminder in your calendar, do something to set things in motion to get that goal to become a reality. Because too often in life, we say we're going to do things and like that gives us the gratitude and like the feeling of like, yeah, look at me. I've got goals. Like I'm going to do cool stuff in this life. And then we forget <laughs> to take action. Like we got to take action. Ideas are just ideas until we put motion behind them. And then the last thing, but then oh, there's so many, but I really want to remind <laughs> everyone that like emotions are okay. Like emotions are okay. I think for a long time, I was made fun of for being such a sensitive person and a sensitive soul. And I tried to like hide my emotions when I'm happy. I'm so happy when I'm sad. I feel sad when my friends are sad. I feel sad for them. I swear my fiance has a stomach ache and then I have a stomach ache, but I think emotions are really beautiful. And if they're a way to allow us to connect to one another, to communicate with one another on a really honest level, they're beautiful. So don't like hide them away or feel like you're like a weird broken human. If you're an emotional, emotional person, cause I am as well. Oh, and then the last thing, because we live in like this weird hustle, culture still especially in the city of toronto it is okay to take a break and just step back from it all okay like unless by doing so like people are gonna i don't know be left behind and be like right like you have children you can't take a full break you gotta make sure little humans are like fed and well cared for but like we're allowed to take a break like it is okay to have just one job we don't always need to have a full-time job and like 18 side hustles sometimes you're allowed to just take a step back and just be. And sometimes being means eating ice cream on the couch and watching Netflix. Sometimes it means lounging. Sometimes it means a digital detox. Sometimes it just means taking a break. And like, that is okay. Like we are so hard on ourselves and I'm hard on myself all the time. I have a million goals and a million business ideas I want to do, but I also don't want to burn out. And I respect myself too much to let burnout take over my life. And so I have like reminders around my house and in my calendar to block and I block out time to like rest and recover and to also just like let loose and have fun. It can't always be just about work, 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 achievement, achievement, achievement. We also have to remember to like kind of enjoy the yeah. ride sometimes. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a good reminder. I definitely need that reminder. I, I like, like I mentioned, like I'm hitting into maybe like next week, just kind of, I think I'm going to delete like the apps for my phone. I feel like, I'm like I don't even want to look keep at you them. accountable. If I see you online next week, Okay. I might call you out. Okay, no, I love that. Are you kidding? When I was starting here, I used to take every Wednesday, I would delete the apps from my phone. And now I love it too much to need a break that often. And it's also like a pretty real yeah. job. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't have that luxury anymore. But I would love for you to keep me accountable. That would be like, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being on. Truly, it's an honor to have you on because your answers have so much depth. And yet the delivery is just <laughs> so easy to absorb. It is very clear that you know exactly what you're doing in bringing like endless amounts of value to a conversation. So I really appreciate you taking this time. Uh, Rifki, you're amazing. Okay, let's say like, see you later, not goodbye. Cause like this, 
this interaction, this moment, it was meant to be. Kayla, my teeth community, thank you for letting me hang out with you today. This has been super rad. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you really enjoyed this episode and feel like it brought you value, I would love if you could rate and review Kale in My Teeth. It takes three seconds and lets me know the kind of episodes you like and want to see more of. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And of course, you can find the guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on Instagram and TikTok at Rifki Rabinowitz and my website, RifkiRabinowitz.com. Chat soon.